The SportsZilla Show starts now. Okay, another car ride, another opportunity to practice my DJ ramp-ups. 95.5 WPET, you got Peter the Riff Griff shocking you and rocking you while I'm sitting here talking to you. It's 75 and sunny, which means our street squad's going to be out looking for them super stickers. If you don't got one, get down to Linoleum Depot this Saturday from 9 to 2. I'll be there hooking you up. Slap one on your car, win 100 bucks. Now I'm looking around and I'm seeing the spin doctors with not one but two princes. Nailed it. I'm going to throw you now to Weenie in the Butt in the afternoon. Weenie in the Butt in the afternoon. In the afternoon. Oh, my God. WQHG. Turn it on and rip the knob off. You're listening to the radio. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. He's back and he still gets to be the glue guy who gets to be Weenie who gets to be Butt. Uh, I have been both at various points in my life. Me too. Me too. Scoop, <laughs> scoop and rain on a Monday where the even today, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I I feel like I cover everything in between those two as well at some point during every single day. So Strasburg re-signed with the Nets. That was kind of what was expected. I think there was a lot of people that figured that was going to happen. Seven years, two sixty, as in million dollars, uh, or I'm sorry, two forty five. That means. Garrett Cole will sign for 260-ish because the initial offer being reported by the Yankees was seven years, 245. So you know he's going to want to set the market and beat that record because that right now stands as the highest contract ever given to a pitcher, beating David Price's, what, 217 for seven years with the Red Sox? So there we go. Hot stove is hot. But there's a lot of other stuff going on. We'll see what happens. We'll let that We'll let that fester somewhere else. Or what's the word? Let that just simmer, burn on the coals. Let, let on the hot stove. Let it stay on the hot stove. Yeah, it's simmering in the background. Keep that in the crock pot. Microwave, though, man. Living in the moment. Prisoner of the moment, right? What's the most important thing? What are you happiest about? I know there's a lot of NFL stuff to talk about. but I, I'm happiest about uh, Elijah Hughes. Yeah, me too. Cuse. Talked about Jerry McNamara and Seth and the, and the show tonight. And I'm just thinking to myself, it's a good thing we got GMAC first. Ha, I'm teasing. That was just solely so I could wave to the Twitch cameras. But fact is, Drivers Village gives us GMAC every Monday. We'll talk to him at 3.30. We got a lot more on Syracuse basketball that we'll break down with him, Scoop. Yeah, and I thought football was kind of disappointing. The SU game was pretty awesome. Yes, it was. Yeah, I, just the the NFL officiating is so bad. I knew he was going there first. Go ahead. The, you know, the, the Patriots game. Uh, and why aren't things called in the Patriots game uh, versus the Chiefs like they are in the, the Jets and Dolphins? You know, can we have 17 guys that are the eye in the sky maybe? You know, and, and now there's this talk about, well, geez, we'd have to hire 17 guys that are the eye in the sky. Oh, my God, what a problem for the billion-dollar corporation benefiting from all that Corporate welfare, that with the taxes that we pay to have these stadiums built. You're saying they can afford it? I'm saying they can afford it, and then some. they got to hire 34. they got to hire two guys in the sky. We've got the glue guy back in here. He's a Patriots fan. Tom Brady and Julian Edelman have never lost a regular season home game to an AFC opponent together. So now they're 42-1 and after the Kansas City Chiefs did America a favor last night, yesterday. Yeah, um, you know what happened the last time uh, the Patriots got... Beat by the Chiefs. Go ahead, tell us. They were on to Cincinnati. They were on to Cincinnati. You know That's what the next? You know what next week's game is wow. against Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And did you see what the New England Patriots tweeted? 
Yes. They were on to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Do you, we, we don't have yes. that audio. Damn, we should have that audio. We did while you were gone, though, air Steve Belichick, Bill's son, who sounds exactly like him. Yeah. No, oh. it, it's word for word. It, the monotone, it runs in the family. It's it's creepy, to be honest with you. It is. It's like there's no differentiation in their personality whatsoever. I was happy that they lost 23-16. to 16. You happy about that, Scoop? Uh, was it 24 or 23? It was 23. Was it 23? Yeah. 23-16. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, uh, that's right, because they were just, they just needed seven. That's to, right, to tie. To, to, tie, to tie it. Um, I'm just uh, chuckling reading the tweets from Brittany Matthews, Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend, who was at the game apparently getting harassed. Let's hear it. Uh, Brittany Matthews at about uh, 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon. As soon as we sit down, drunk dude, <laughs> in quotation marks, she's going to, Tell everybody what he said. Hey, everyone, this is Patrick Mahomes' girl and brother. Let's give them S. Oh, why? And then she says, this shall be fun. And then they threatened to call security on her whenever she stood up and applauded and cheered her boyfriend and all that. I think so you've got some grievances (laughs) with the officiating overall. We can apply it to the Bills game. We can apply it to the Patriots game. I'm sure we'll see it rear its ugly head tonight with the Giants and the Eagles. But Well, the Giants game won't matter. <laughs> wait, why? Because it's the Giants? No, but it matters for the Eagles. Oh, wait, is Eli going to come back tonight and uh, win them a good game? No. No? Are you no. sure? No. Oh, this is the most bitter we've ever seen the glue guy. He is just oozing bitterness today. And I It's don't... just seeping out of him. <laughs> because his Patriots lost. Listen, they did. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, it was. It was. It was horrible officiating. But look, at some point in time, it had to burn the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's almost always seems like it's in their favor. I was going to actually say, and we don't care what you were going to say. <laughs> Continue. Suddenly, he's the rock. Uh, oh. oh, he's got to do that microphone thing. You know what? I'm going to take that over. You can go back on vacation. I was going Good. to give you Thank actually you. credit. I was going to give you credit for something, and then you went and did that. I did. I was going to tell you that you've said it all season long, and it's proving true, especially in the past couple few weeks. That, that the offense is trash? You've said that. It's a concern. It's been defense that's been getting them this far, and that's why they sit with that 10-2 and two record. And, you know, I was telling Scoop earlier, if they do if they do what they're supposed to, the refs don't matter. If you're winning the game, those uh, called back touchdowns do not matter. Doesn't the losing team always have a grievance with the officiating one way or the, or but the other? But wasn't that terrible? No, no that's not true. That's wasn't not that true. noticeable, though? That's not true? No, that's not true. There is always somebody in every team's fan base that loses a game that is griping about and it. Are the, okay, and the they're the garbage base. fan. Is That's what they are. That's what, that. Let me finish. That's exactly what they are. There's no disputing that. It doesn't mean they're an informed fan or it's not just a bunch of nonsense. It is a garbage, crap system where that pass interference play at the end of the game can't be challenged because, well, he's out of challenges. It was It's garbage. So, it's stupid. Everybody in the world knows that was pass interference. The NFL apparently doesn't know how to define pass interference, how to fairly call anything. Is they that can't the only be bothered because, you know, they're spending their billions of dollars that they're making every week. You know, and when Jerry Jones got inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame, he threw a party. Do you know who he hired as the music for his party? Do I want to? Justin Timberlake. <laughs> now, what do you think that cost him? A lot. <laughs> More. I'm just going to hire Justin Timberlake to play my party this weekend. I do that all the oh, time. 
these guys, it's just ridiculous. And we sit here and, 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 and bet on these games and it's, it's no better than wrestling. Well, maybe it's a shade better than wrestling. It's sports entertainment. It's garbage. They try to fix the, the end result. The NFL loves this because now they, they can set up the, the big game with the Chiefs and the, the Patriots coming up in the playoffs. Amazing. They love this. So if this happens during the XFL, we'll just go, oh, it's Vince McMahon's company. It's supposed to happen that way. Given the fact that it's Goodell's company, it's not right. Given the fact that it's we're, we're this best league in the whole country and it's happening week in and week out. It's, it's not. League. It's not right because the NFL is purported to be legitimate sports, and forever and ever and ever with this officiating, we're talking decades. They can't get this right. They've got guys that can't tell time. Now, I'm not saying it's an easy job, but it was terrible yesterday. You call one thing in the Jets game, you call another thing in the Patriots game. I meant to say that sometimes when we have parties with the kids at my house, we play Justin Timberlake, not that. <laughs> oh, so you're not friends with JT? Not that we hire Justin Timberlake. Yeah, they, they, they need more money. Did you see when the uh, Ravens sideline cameras blew on the the, the papers, yeah. the plays? They flew onto the field, and the dude went over to pick them up. And he got to look at them. It. Yeah, he was reading them, and then they had to come and grab those. That was fantastic. That was pretty funny. So what's the grievances with your Patriots, your biggest grievance with the officiating in that game? Well, obviously it was the two touchdowns in a row that wasn't. Mm-hmm. That was... The one that was out of bounds, they were out of challenges, so they couldn't challenge it. Yeah, his and since in. they didn't call it a touchdown, New York couldn't intervene. Right. So Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. And it was clear. Correct. It, it was. I'll give you that. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for the Patriots, and they still lost. And Travis yeah. fumbled Darn. the ball. I mean, everybody in the universe watching the game knows that. It's just. It's. It's funny how you have to make a football play or the. What is that? How? Uh, Can you a, define that for me? Uh, that's what I'm saying. A catch isn't a catch unless this happens. But like you play football as you were a kid. Not even if you played in Pop Warner or organized football. You get your buddies. You're out on the street. You know what a catch is. You know what a fumble is. You know what some of these basic football plays are. I don't know. I've seen some backyard games get pretty contentious about the rules. Well, yeah, but it's you and your friends. And there's you can't. the league's not going to settle it, and you can't throw the replay back to New York, and you don't have challenges. Sometimes so you can't you just, call your mom and be like, Mom, was that a touchdown? You know, sometimes you just beat the crap out of each other, and you yeah. move on with it. I mean, that's, See, now that's where the XFL would be good. <laughs> the referees could actually fight. <laughs> if, if they had Chris Jericho out there as a, a referee, some player could could challenge him right then and there. You got Stone Cold Steve Austin. They could have out a tag there. team match in the middle of the game, which would probably be better than this atrocious sport that gets pushed on us every weekend. It's the Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio ninety seven point seven and one hundred point one with Scoop Rain and the glue guy Matt Page in studio. So let's look at uh, let's see, we know what happened with the Buffalo Bills. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the the thing about. The Bills is they're very, very good. They are. But they, they have this trouble completing the long pass play. And they drop passes. And that killed Josh Allen's quarterback numbers yesterday, the drop passes. Quite a few they, of them. They catch a few more passes. That game, you know, I mean, it was in, in doubt till with about a minute left. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can win that game. They're a good football team. That loss doesn't change anything. I mean, you're within a touchdown to, according to NFL Power Rankings, the number, the number one, one team yeah. in the National Football League. 
Yeah, it, it, it was a tough loss to take. It doesn't mean they're bad. They're, they've got to beat Pittsburgh. They've just got to win the next game. They've got to focus on that. There's nothing else you can do. You've got to leave it behind you and move on. Your Cleveland Browns won 27-19 over the Patriots' next opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals. And they had to have help from uh, the officials and uh, Denzel Ward. Yeah, interception for a touchdown. They're just a... And I saw a clip of uh, Odell refusing to go into the huddle. I don't know what was going on with that. Did you see that? Yeah, he was standing. He was just waiting. Like, and the rest of the team was in the huddle. It's it's a dysfunctional lot right now. And the losing Baker Mayfield after the game, saying that the training staff from the Browns let OBJ down. Should have had surgery for a sports hernia. Then walking it back and and uh, sort of retracting that statement and apologizing for that statement. It is a complete and utter hot mess, as opposed to four months ago. When you th- you would have thought they had already won the Super Bowl. I thought they were going to be eleven and five. I've said it a number of times. I was clearly wrong. I will admit that. I don't know. It's just, it's a strange situation. It's a team that's good enough to beat the Ravens and the Bills. Yeah, but can't get out of their own way the rest of the season. I mean, it's just whether OBJ stays or goes, we'll get something for him at least. I, I just think. Uh, it, that team is a complete and total mess. Freddie Kitchens, you know, you get the number one running back in the league, and they don't know how to use him. They, they didn't really go to him till the second half and, and lean on him until the second half. It's just baffling what they're trying to do. You got a quarterback with a, a bum thumb, and they, they're having him throw more than hand the ball off. Uh, all I know is it, it blows my mind that you don't watch the games. Did you watch? I watch the Bills game. I don't watch the, the Browns games because it's bad luck. The Browns won. Correct. He, he stood by that since the beginning of the season. He can't watch his own team now. But if he would have lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, his head would have just spun right off. Now, and, you know, they could, they could have lost that game. They could have. That was very much a possibility. It was. Did you see that crazy San Francisco New Orleans game, though? What a score. 48-46. There's no defense. 90-some points. If that's the NFC Championship game, we all win. Can you imagine? We all win if that's the NFC Championship game. Garoppolo, man, that's your quarterback of the future in New England. Eventually, well, no, five years when Brady eventually retires. Well, who knows? He might come back. He's going to come back. Yeah, yeah, he might. You never know. Uh, the did the Jets win? Did I see the Jets actually beat Miami? That's just a weird... with help from the referees. Oh yeah, in every game. Just let's just assume that going forward, that's going to apply to every game we discuss. For the should rest there be of the asterisks next to it? Refs assist. There's going to have to be. Well, like in this uh, Saints Forty ers game, um, there was a play where the guy grabbed onto the tight end's face mask and just held on, and some sort of rule like they can't call it on this guy because of where he lined up. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what fun, is the rules? that? What is that? Nonsense. It's ridiculous. Now, see now, uh, look, if I'm every team in the league, I game I game those rules. You should not have rules that can be, you know, you could mess with them like that to do something. Like grab the guy's face mask because of where he lined up, you can't call that. They what, should be uniform. What coach is going to do that this offseason? Who do you think? I think a lot of them are going to do it, but, you know, uh, Coach Belichick will do that if he's still continuing to coach. It, it sure as hell won't be uh, Freddie Kittens. Because he won't have a job. <laughs> I love you calling him Freddie Kittens. Freddie Kittens. Freddie Kittens. Also, I'm kind of sad that Ron Rivera got fired last week. I hope he's not the Giants coach. Why not? I don't want him. 
Why? I don't want him. I just, I just don't want him. I'm asking you why, and you're I, not telling me. I just. Would you rather have him or Garrett? <laughs> I don't want Garrett either. I don't know what you don't want is. the guy who just claps all the time. I don't think that Ron Rivera is a coach that can close the deal. I just have a. It's a feeling. I, does that make sense? It's it makes just sense. A feeling. I don't think that he's the guy. So who's your coach? Ooh, wow, that's tough. Um, can Bill Par? I, didn't I ask? I tell you last week I want to Bill Parcells to come back. I wasn't here last week. I don't know. Or or Coughlin? Yeah, you weren't here. Didn't I say that last week? I want yeah, Coughlin you said back. that. Yeah, I want Coughlin back. Well, Drive obviously a, you want Coughlin. I have to think about that because there are some options out there. I have to think about that. Drive a truckload of money up to Nick Saban's house and lure him away from Alabama. I don't know if I don't know if he translates that well. I do know I want he Mark did Jackson. In Miami. I do know I want Mark Jackson to coach the Knicks. Listen, we've got to take a break. Jerry McNamara will be joining us courtesy of Drivers Village because there is a lot to discuss as far as Syracuse basketball. But a little bit more NFL next. And there's a Monday Night Football game of interest to me with the New York Giants playing in it. It's happening on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Saturday, Q Sports Talk is having a watch party. The next chapter in the Syracuse-Georgetown rivalry unfolds with some of the guys who have written the past. Right here on twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. While you're watching the game on TV or listening on TK99, Pull up twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk to hear live reaction from Syracuse legends Roosevelt Bowie, Lawrence Moten, and Eric Devendorf from the Armory Square Studios of Galaxy Media Partners. Tune in Saturday, 1 p.m. for a Syracuse Georgetown watch party only on twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Monday Night Football tonight, the New York Giants with a 2 and 10 record and the Philadelphia Eagles with a 5 and 7 record. Eli Manning is starting. It's crazy to think that Daniel Jones, now because he's out of the game, could have had, for the first time all season, a full complement of healthy receivers, at least the guys they intended. It's Eli, though. Eli gets them. Eli's going to go off 500 yards, six touchdowns tonight. No? I don't know about that. Don't see that? Got Golden Tate, though, Sterling Shepard, Slayton. I mean, no Evan Ingram. I suppose you thought he'd be in there. But at least you got three decent receivers, your three main guys, your three main targets. Of course, you do not have Saquon Barkley. Saquon is not performing as expected. Clearly a down year for him. He would have helped a little bit, but they've got to block because one thing Daniel Jones could do is run a little bit, and Eli cannot do that. It's not an addition. I mean, I'm reading some stuff about Eli. It's not like he's going to chase a ring, but they're already predicting where is he going next year because all accounts are Eli wants to continue to play. Everybody's resigned themselves to the fact that it's not with the New York Giants next year. Can we just play the game tonight? I just want to see him have a decent game for the Giants before it's all over because, yeah, I want to give him a hug. He's the quarterback for two rings. I appreciate that. Now you see the drama that it is being a Patriots fan. Everyone assuming Tom Brady's retiring or going somewhere. He got 17 rings, though. Well, and last week, too, you had the whole thing. Are the Patriots done? Had reared its ugly head. Oh, yeah. That happens every year. Are they over? You know, and we actually talked about that a little bit, but then cited those December numbers in Foxborough and their December numbers in general, just in January. Uh, just how they don't lose many games in December and January. But isn't it a false equivalency, too, because the Giants have been garbage for five seasons as well on top of that. Has it been that long? And you're not sitting on a 10-2 and record this year. 
So there's it's a completely different set of circumstances. So uh, I was joking with you during the break. Does Eli coach the team next year? No, he doesn't coach the team next year. I just cannot settle on somebody that I think should be because I definitely think Shermer's gone. I don't I don't know how you keep him based on this scoop. Freddie Kittens, does he become the next coach of the Giants? I I don't think anybody uh, hires him. Even to be a coordinator? Maybe to be a coordinator. That's different. Some guys are good coordinators that are not good head coaches. The the Pittsburgh t-shirt thing was a bad look. And just the fact that he has said things, I don't coach penalties. And they're just stupid penalties all the time. Yep. You know, and and the Miles Garrett thing, that is a discipline thing. True. Can you imagine anybody doing that for a, Co- a Tom Coughlin team? No. I, I, I cannot. <laughs> Not at all. You, you know, cannot can, what would that. happen if Bill Belichick was the coach of that team? You wouldn't play for a while. You wouldn't play ever. You'd be gone. You know, he gets rid of people. Gone. He gets rid of people that don't follow instructions. He gets rid of people just for asking for money. Yeah. Oh, you want a contract extension? Okay. Trade it to the Browns, Jamie Collins. He's done this year in and year out. You want money? Goodbye. Boy, I gave you guys an open opportunity to just thrash me on the New York Giants, and you just hijacked the conversation dude, and went over there with dude, it somewhere. It would be like, you know, kicking you when you're down. No, it's all right. I expect it at this point. I, I mean, I don't really have many counter arguments because the performance on the field up and down the roster is it negates everything that I could possibly say to defend the team. I'm trying to be realistic How about, about it. Rex Ryan for the Giants. You know, you know, it's funny you just brought him up because Fisdale's I, available. I was watching. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? I, I'm watching, and I'm sitting, I'm watching like the pregame stuff on ESPN, and I'm sitting there going, "Why does Rex Ryan have a job in TV? He should not be a head coach. He's clearly a better coordinator than he ever was a head coach." But his he's ego, his ego won't let him be a coordinator again. But why would they sign him to be on TV? He's painful to watch because he's a name. You know, Sam Ponder, by the way, was the only one that predicted that the Bills would win yesterday. And I was so hoping she's right so she could rub their noses in it this upcoming Sunday when they're back on. They were close, though. I mean, I, I thought that was a, a, a decent game. I, here, I, I let off the show complaining about how bad the product is. But if you watched Saints 49ers and if you watched Bills Ravens, that was entertaining. The rest of the league is shoddy. I mean, Chiefs Patriots was pretty good, but the the officiating thing is a joke. You know, if a, a, a they try to do a fake punt and some guy can line up somewhere where they can't call this penalty or that penalty because of where he's lined up, that's dumb. You know, the, the nobody knows what interference is, wh- whether a guy has caught a ball or not. The the whole bobbling of the catch thing is now just gone beyond rationality. You know, oh, he didn't have control of the ball. Well, he stopped it in air and he's bobbling it in his. Chest area, like I always laugh when they say that. He changed the direction of the flight of the ball and pulled it to his butt. He doesn't have control of the ball. Last thing football related, uh, the finals for the college football playoff. The rankings are in. Obviously, everybody's aware of this. LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, number 4, Oklahoma. But the best part of all of this, because we have like literally plenty of time to debate this. No Alabama? No Alabama. No Alabama whatsoever. No roll tide. None of that. I am grateful. I am grateful for that more than anything because I'm just done with Alabama. Yeah, their fans can be kind of annoying. I'm just over it. <laughs> They're almost as, as annoying as Ohio State fans. They're almost as annoying as Patriots fans. I was waiting for you to go there. If yeah. I had to do that. we got to take a break because <laughs> GMAC joins us next. 
to talk SU basketball, courtesy of Drivers Village on the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Lane and Scoop. As we always do, courtesy of Drivers Village on Monday afternoons, we talk SU basketball with Coach McNamara, GMAC, Jerry McNamara, now joining us. There's a lot of good to talk about, Jerry, but before we break down Georgia Tech, the game most recently in our memories, let's just take a step back since the last time we talked, there was also the game against Iowa. I just want to really ask you one question about that. Luca Garza, as advertised, that team overall was as advertised. A much better team, I think, than anybody of us, any of us expected. Yeah, you know, I I think, you know, it's I think we talked last week even a team like Colgate, like just from a personnel standpoint of the issues they can give us what they have on the perimeter. That was the biggest concern is these guys in Iowa had Garza inside, but you also had Wise Camp. Um, you know, Bohannon was the guy that we going into that game, you know, certainly me that that I I had scouted Iowa um in the past. So I had been aware of Bohannon uh, and what he's capable of from the perimeter. We actually did a really good job on him early. The one that got him going was a one-dribble pull-up three at the end of the shot clock. And, you know, after that, he kind of got hot. But, you know, it's difficult when you face these guys that are able to balloon your zone and extend you, and you still have a presence inside that you can go to and be physical with. And, you know, I think Garza went for 44 in a loss right after us. So uh, he's a really good player. It's funny, I watched the Washington game against uh, Gonzaga, and, you know, one of the things that I thought of when I was watching Gonzaga was, man, they didn't miss any of those 12-footers, those those shots along the baseline and, you know, baby hooks. They just did a, a great job of when they caught the ball 15 feet and in of being able to finish. And that's what Garza is, you know, even late in the second half when he got it and just took a, you know, eight-foot baby hook, you know, and uh, he's got a really good skill set, very efficient around the basket. And, you know, you add in the complimentary pieces like Bohan and the Wise Camp guys that are able to shoot and McCaffrey played a really good game for them. Um, you know, but early on we did a good job on the perimeter, kept us in there, and uh, you know, again we just hadn't shot it well uh, until Saturday afternoon. But we hadn't shot it well, and our defense kept us in it as long as it could against Iowa. But you know, again, when when we've been out rebounded that way, and and when you're not making shots from the perimeter, it's going to put put a lot of pressure on your defense. Georgia Tech, just what the doctor ordered, and how good and satisfying is it to see? Elijah Hughes get a career-high 33 when you see him working so hard in the gym, at practice, as a coach, as a teammate, that had to feel good for everybody. Yeah, I think it put us at ease a little bit when he got off to his great start. Uh, you know, I think it was the first 12 he scored for us. And, you know, I know Buddy had said after the game that shooting is contagious. And, you know, I think we needed we needed those guys to have a good game from the perimeter to get over the hump. You know, I think once you start missing shots, you start to think about it a little bit. And when you have shooters of their caliber, you know, it's tough to reiterate to them, like, listen, you just got to keep firing, you know, because the mental side of it is a big key. And uh, these guys are all gifted from the perimeter. They're all really good shooters. And once E kind of got going and then Buddy got his first one from the corner and then Joe hit two in the second half, um, you know, I think it kind of just took the pressure off initially when Elijah got off to a great start. It eased everybody. Um, but I think more so than that, if you watch, uh, our defense was really active. And, you know, I know I've, I've heard people talk about Marek and, and the game that he played, which he, I thought he was terrific. Uh, but the guy to me that was the key, other than Elijah doing what he did to get us off to that great start, was Barama. Um, you know, we talked about Iowa and Luca Garza going into this game. 
James Banks is is as imposing a, a big guy as Wolf Face as well. So uh, I thought Barama did a terrific job. He was active. He got a putback dunk early, uh, but he fought for position defensively. He got over the top. He was in position when they got it in the high post of being able to to beat the first dribble and force those guys to spin in traffic and um, you know that's that's a big key for us is when Brahma's active and he's uh, you know in position defensively and he's active on the glass and finishing shots off misses and and, and the offensive side of things um, you know I just thought what Elijah did early eased the pressure for us to have a complete team game and uh, everybody played a major role um, and I thought Barama had one of his better games defensively. Well, speaking of, you held the ACC's leading scorer to one point in the first half. The hoops are going in for you, and defensively, you're playing great. Yeah, yeah. I, w- w- what did DeVoe end up finishing with, five? I think four? seven points, maybe. Seven? Seven, yeah, and yeah I think seven. The field, goal we gave up, the field goal we gave up in the second half that I recall was in transition. So we didn't really let him get comfortable. Uh, the one thing he is is a great pump faker. I had the scout, so I kind of knew um, where, you know, even going back to last year when we played him, uh, of, you know, where he can not just hurt you, but where he can put you in position to be hurt in other areas as well. And the one thing he does a great job of is he pump fakes to gain an advantage. And when you're shooting 60% from the three-point line, people are going to bite on it. And going into this game, we wanted to be there on the catch you know, I thought the forwards did a really good job as well. Not just the guards. I thought the forwards did a terrific job of when he tried to beat them to the baseline side. Uh, you know, getting over the top. Elijah Hughes drew a charge on him in the first half because he had a hook to try to get around him. And uh, the kid's really good, and he's playing really hot. Uh, we got there early on the catch. They tried to put him in the high post a little bit, kind of like uh, Virginia did with Ty Jerome last year. And then once they got it into him, tried to pull us out and force those guards to rotate back up. Uh, I thought we did a terrific job of getting back in position when they tried to go 15 feet back out to 20 feet. Uh, you know, that's a collective effort between everybody, and we covered that well. Um, you know, I just thought we did a good job on him. Uh, you know, he's a really good player. Um, you know, we forced him into some congestion, into some traffic. We didn't bite too much on pump fakes, and when we did, there was the next guy up to step up and, and show him another defender. So, you know, if you're going to have – games like we had on Saturday afternoon and you have guys like DeVoe who will face as we go forward. Every team's going to have a major player and uh, some teams have multiple guys and you know, I thought we did a terrific job locating him early and making it a little bit difficult for him. Jerry McNamara with us here on the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. The Sportzilla Show, of course. Jim said that he didn't think Elijah was going to miss. He just felt like every shot he put up was going to go in. I mean, that's a slump buster that you needed. He got hot, as you had said, uh, Buddy referenced that shooting is contagious. Elijah went on to say that he felt basically he was just unconscious, like he was almost outside of his own body. And that's something that you can relate to. But that that good shooting filtered down to the rest of the team because it, it just it did. It transcended and everybody was confident and everybody was feeling it and everybody did their job. And that goes further down the roster to somebody like Howard Washington, who got some some serious minutes, 24 minutes, eight assists. Jesse Edwards, uh, he contributed once again. And a lot of people are noticing and I've noticed the same thing for a big guy. He's he's very skilled with with what he can do with the basketball He's got to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. These minutes now are going to help him. He's going to be a key player, I think, as the season goes on. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, it's funny when you talk to, to about Elijah. I think when I read the article, he, he used multiple cliches. 
<laughs> I think, yeah, for sure, for I sure. I think he said unconscious, and I think the other one was throw it in the ocean. So, yes, yes. Yeah, but it is important. You know, we saw it in the book now game when we got going offensively that you're able to play these guys. You know, and, and we talked about it on the show a few weeks ago. I, you know, you could almost hear it by reading the words of Jesse Edwards talking about rejuvenation, you know, new life, feeling more confident. And he's He's got the skill set. You're right. You're, you're 100% right. He's got the skill set. I think the frame is the next piece for him, the speed. Um, you know, the first two possessions he was in defensively, a guy went at his chest and went to the rim and scored. Um, the next time they got in the high post, he stayed back and they hit a shot. And then the next two times he, I believe, stopped the guy and then got a block on, on DeVoe. So, um, you know, that's the learning curve. I think that's the next process for him. But, you know, the one thing that's a separator for him than, say, a guy like Parama or a guy like Marek is his size. You know, you, you, you play a team like Virginia who's got these guys like Huff and Diakiti. Um, you know, when Barama's out there, you've got 6'8", six, 6'9", six, somewhere in that range against 6'11". And... You know, you see the difference. You can visually see the difference. And then you put a guy like Jesse out there, you match that size. You match that, you know, you match that length. So uh, he's got the skill set, um, the speed right now, the physicality right now. Um, that's the catch-up areas. That's the curve. But from a skill set, this guy, he has it. You know, he's he's got a skill set. He can make 15-foot jumpers. He can keep the ball high. We've seen multiple times when Elijah Hughes touched the paint. He throws it to the rim and he dunks it. Uh, he had a great high-low where he set the screen on the on the left wing, I believe, and dove hard to the rim. And Quincy, you know, uh, Howard Washington had the ha- hockey assist. He hit the flash guy, and Quincy hit the roll guy. Uh, and no dribble, just right to the rim and a dunk. Um, you know, we, we, we like what he brings to the table. Um, you know, now it's about the speed. It's about the physicality. And once he gets those things down, uh, this guy has a chance, we think, to be a pretty darn good player. I thought it was big that you shot 25 for 30 from the free throw line because if they're going to give you that, you, you take it and you want to make those shots, and that's huge. Especially after coming off Barclays where we missed 11 in two you know, consecutive games, you know, 22 missed free throws. You know, I think we talked about it. I think the number was at 70 of the free throws we took in those two games, but we missed 22 of those. So, you know, that's the range we're capable of shooting. Um, you know, I, I still think Barama is capable of of shooting in a, in, a, in a more consistent stretch. He's worked really hard on it, you know, and it's just like shooting the three. We talked about getting in a certain rhythm and feeling confident, and I think he's kind of on the verge of, of getting to the free throw line, you know, knock on this piece of wood that's in front of me and getting to the free throw line and feeling good stepping out that line and making him confidently. So, uh, the, you know, Marek too, you know, I, we, we, we felt like the way he has shot it has been a little bit out of character. We know he's capable of making more. It's important in these games to, you know, especially with the way we played coming off three consecutive losses, feeling like we've left so much on the table. It's hard when, you know, you're in a two-possession game and both games down at Barclays and you've played as poorly in our mind as we feel like we could play and, you know, you're within a one-possession game at halftime of Iowa and not really got anything going offensively. And uh, To have a game where you get to break out a little bit, ease the pressure, shoot it fluidly and not think about it, uh, get to the free throw line and feel confident, uh, those, those are booster games. You know, we just got to keep the momentum and get back to work this week, work hard. You know, people can say what they want about Georgetown and what they've gone through over the last few weeks. Well, they've responded. Um, you know, I was listening to the radio on the way into work today and, 
you know, someone had mentioned, oh, they're in disarray. Well, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, something like that can bring a team together. And when you go on the road and beat a good Oklahoma State team on the road and go down and, you know, throttle SMU on the road, two road games, um, you know, they're playing probably their best basketball. We saw them in the stretch at, at uh, Madison Square Garden where they had Duke and they played really well, played them tough, and they looked like a good team. And, you know, they've continued that. As much as they've gone through, they've certainly responded with how they've played lately. So it's going to be important for us to have a good week of practice. I'm so glad that this win happened the way that it did because now everybody can stop hitting the panic button, stop reminding everybody that this is the worst start since the late 60s in the entire Bayheim era, and the team is in a good place going on to face a former Big East rival. But Georgetown is dealing with some serious issues, to say the least. I mean, you could throw a lot of adjectives and hyperbole on top of that. But just your general thoughts and a quick scouting report on what you expect with Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown Hoyas. I think the big thing is Mac McClung has played at an elite level since, um, you know, since Akinjo's departure. Uh, I think he went for 34, 33, or somewhere in that range in the Oklahoma State game and had another big game, I believe, at SMU. I, I didn't see the stats, but I, I'm pretty sure that he had another big game. And, um, you know, so he's elevated his his play and. Uh, the kid Yurtsevin, Omer Yurtsevin for them inside. You know, we've just had a gauntlet of really good big guys. Um, and Yurtsevin's as good as anybody we've played as well, very similar to Garza. Um, you know, I don't know if he steps out and shoots the three quite as well, but just as physical. He's, I think he struggled with some foul trouble this year early on. So one of the things that we did a good job of in the Georgia Tech game was kind of eliminating Banks' production because he was never comfortable. He was never comfortable because he I think he got two two quick ones. Uh, picked up a third. We ended up following out. So, uh, you know, you have to engage guys like that. You have to make them work on the defensive end, try to keep them engaged and force them to elevate and play pick and roll, uh, contest them at the rim when you go in there aggressive. And, um, you know, these guys are physical. You know, when they press, they're really good in it. You know, so we saw in the second half of our Georgia Tech game, uh, you know, they tried to get up and pressure us. So it's about if you feel like, you know, in a stretch of the game, they're going to try to get up and be physical and press. You know, make sure you take care of the basketball, be able to not just take care of it, but when you beat it, attack it for scores. And we did that in the second half of Georgia Tech. So, uh, you know, these guys are playing good basketball. Say what you want about what has happened. Um, the last few games, they've looked like a, a, a really good basketball team. Yeah, fair enough. Jerry, thanks for the time. We look forward to talking to you each and every Monday. And, of course, next week will be the next time. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, sounds good. You too. SportsZilla show with Jerry McNamara from Drivers Village. It happens every Monday, 3.30. Tune in for ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.